0: Good evening, welcome to Gotham City, and another episode of I Am The Night. Episode 57 to be exact, where we're looking at episode 63 of Batman, the animated series Fire From Olympus, and it's uh, maximum overdrive for
1: this episode. Maximum overdrive, mythical proportions... Truly grandiose and high camp stuff, but then again, oh, absolutely. when I when I saw the title card, we both had the same conclusion. As, yep. Oh, oh, it's Macy Zeus. Yep. And I'm glad that I know this character by reputation only. I've not really been experiencing this character much in their all whole essence. I know their deal, but never actually like seen them in comics. Oh, no, I have. I've seen them very briefly in whatever Batman and Cacophony, which is an excellent story, but still very yeah. little, very little otherwise. And. Um... What a terrific
0: interpretation. You, you uh, The way this series, and kudos to the writers, Paul Dinney, Judith Garfield, Reece Stevens, and uh, Garfield, Reece Stevens, and the director, Dan Reba, for making Maxie... I mean, he's definitely still, just like in the comics, a few dollars short of a pet full paycheck... Sympathetic, you also have to be like, What the hell
1: has happened to this guy to drive him completely cuckoo? But it's uh, honestly quite a nice sort of cuckoo in a way because, uh, instead of <laughs> no, honestly, in, in a way, you get um, people like your Two Faces and your Jokers and your Scarecrows who've been through so much trauma that they've become very destructive. Mm. Sure enough, Max is still very destructive, and in this episode in particular, but he's not done it in like some sort of a figure of horror or something to be like feared and hated he's embodying a figure from myth that drew a lot of love of the ancient greek people and was once cast by liam neeson so how could you hate that
0: yeah absolutely i mean brilliant casting and the portrayal is so well done that brief little moment of clarity at the end with his ex-girlfriend cleo Druchus, where the human side of him, before he went and completely hat-stand, just pokes his head out from beneath the clouds of Mount Olympus for a moment, and it's so brilliantly handled, so subtle and so well-acted.
1: Yeah, you get a real show of a performance there, and we get the layers of the grandiose Shakespearean, like um, Laurence Olivier from Clash of the Titans, sort of grandiose Zeus. But then there's that moment of vulnerability that's there. Only for a second but we really get this feel that there is still still a person in there, under there, just ready to be saved.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the depths of his delusions are absolutely... They'd be frightening if they weren't so funny. I mean, the whole thing where Batman
1: turns up at his uh, skyscraper, which... By the look of things, looks like it's the tallest building in Gotham. Which is something I wanted to bring up, actually. I find that quite interesting, because I was always under the impression that Wayne Tower was the tallest building in Gotham.
0: Um, see, Bruce isn't that pretentious. Maybe at one point it was, but there's always some millionaire wanting to outdo the next millionaire. So I know that the Elliot family um, and the Luthers have tried to build the tallest buildings in the city. And particularly after No Man's Land, Lex actually succeeded when he bought up a lot of Gotham to rebuild it after the earthquake but no it really does because A it's above the clouds and it does seem to be looking down on everything else so no wonder he thinks it's at the top of Mount Olympus it does add to his um, complete delusion doesn't it?
1: It's uh, when you put it with the uh, architecture that he's put into it just like the modeling off the uh, the Parthenon, the Corinthian columns, <laughs> the gargoyle statues everywhere. Um, yeah, there's the real effort that has made itself seem like a Mount Olympus, and that just feeds the delusion, really.
0: Ah, oh, Gus Portokalos would be so proud.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think he'd be even more proud at the beginning that the Greek restaurant was called Zorba's. Yeah, absolutely. I mean...
0: I I I can't find that kind of thing offensive because the Greeks, even today in modern society, are fantastic shippers and builders and logistics, masters of that trade and that particular business. So that does kind of, of work. And the fact that they picked so many legitimate Greek actors to play the bit parts in this episode, I actually find brilliant. And being of Mediterranean heritage myself, I I so love that and that whole big fat Greek wedding part of it and, and Max's delusions and like you said, the Parthenon and the columns and the pillars, I just think just is such a great part of the Maxi Zeus character.
1: Yep, it's a wonderful bit of realism that he's committed to this persona that he's made himself sort of get past whatever financial trouble or like emotional trouble that he was having in the beginning that led into this place. But there's also the interesting thing where there's a little bit of like inconsistency with some of the stuff he was saying, which is not any fault of his own. That's just a mad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ramblings and ravings of a madman. But um, he mentions Janus a couple of times. That's Roman. He mentions Heracles instead of Hercules. That's Roman. So Mm -hmm. there's a couple of times where the facade sort of falls through. And I think that was deliberately intentional. I trust Paul Dini as a very seasoned and tenured writer to be able to know his Greek and his Roman myth. Absolutely. So yeah. that was all
0: intentional. Well, All the Roman gods and Greek gods are the same. They're just renamed. And I think you're quite right. This isn't down to the writers or the research. This is down to Maxi Zeus's psyche and not being as hinged as he possibly could be. But that brings me on to another point because however unhinged he may be and however deep his delusions are, he's clearly an extremely intelligent man. I mean, the tech... Hmm in his penthouse, the fact he's rigged up those gargoyles with machine guns, he's got that massive games room with a giant freaking Monty Python and and the razorback bloody um, warthog. It's like this dude, and and the way he's rigged up the cannon he stole, made himself a lightning
1: bolt. The guy's, technically he's a genius, but he's completely off his nut. Well, that's the tragic thing about genius sometimes is that if it's not measured and if it's not... (coughs) <coughs> and if it's not directed towards anything, it'll just end up towards madness. Yep.
0: Yeah, madness. And <laughs> right to the end and, and when he actually comes home. But we, we, we'll, we'll come to that later because I'm sure that's going to be part of our highlights. And you have already mentioned the, the Janus thing and getting his gods mixed up. But this episode, it can... I'm finding that it's right at the end of this season that visually it's finally reached that perfect balance of the ultimate noir of a couple of the first episodes when the series started and the more colourful, more cartoony style and it's found that perfect balance. I mean, the textures, the lighting, the direction, the fact there's like pebbles in the street and there's granite in the buildings and The feel of the temple part of Zeus's stronghold feels like it's made of marble and stone. Um, The
1: style and direction of this episode was absolutely gorgeous. We got the real sense that they had made their extra effort into the world building. They made it look and feel real. I think the moment that sums that up really well is the bit right at the beginning where we get Jim Gordon walking through that alleyway and it's so dark and he needs some matches to check the time. And then we get that lovely, very... 1920s 1930s serial opening of mm. the newspaper drifting down the alleyway yeah yeah that's such a solid trope thing and you i was half expecting the newspaper to sort of turn around to see a headline that would be relevant to the plot but i'll i it doesn't matter that it wasn't one there it's just such a strong visual cue that i think is just really really timeless which just adds to the timelessness of the whole show i'm so glad you brought all that up because obviously i'm a quite a
0: bit older than you and I know that the creators of this show were hugely influenced by the 1940s Max Fleischer Superman cartoons which to me still are some of the finest pieces of animation ever uh, committed to film. I mean a lot of them are very badly racially, racially stereotyped now but they were made during the Second World War just before but the super science and the black-and-white Frankenstein movie electricity of the cannon on top of the uh, the skyscraper. All that just, oh, it, it made me feel like a kid again. So Seeing those effects and seeing that beautiful love for those cartoons that inspired the look, the shape of the jaws,
1: the heroic attitude of Batman for this cartoon... Oh, it just makes me happy as a fan. It makes you happy as a fan of multiple different kinds of media, more than just Batman, because yeah. we can talk all day about how this is a great representation of Batman Absolutely. and the characters. But the thing is, those kinds of stories you were just talking about really influenced and led to stuff like this being made. Totally. So when it's done with that level of respect and it calls back to that stuff so well, then we're really, really treated by how well we can see those callbacks and those little points of inspiration. Yeah, totally. And you know me, I've always been more a
0: fan of the mediums that love, respect, honour and build on the past than those who think, well, actually, I'm the big name this month. I want to totally rewrite history and forget everything that came before. I'm the big I am. I much prefer this type of love and homage and respect for what came before.
1: When it's done with that respect, but with the effort of telling new stories, oh, yeah, that's then right you get it. something really, really special. And I feel like that's what has been done here so well week after week. Completely agree. Completely agree. And
0: Maxi-Zeus is definitely a force to be reckoned with because Batman got his butt handed to him a few times in this episode and he really had to fight. But... What do you think of that wonderful, wonderful thing of Zeus seeing his brother rising from
1: Hades and
0: respecting him as, as another god and not being allowed to talk in front of
1: the mortals? I think that was just a way for the psychosis and the bandits to sort of cope in a way. I think, um, I think that it's a really nice and clever way because all of the villains sort of have their own ways of reconciling Batman into their world. Yes. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the Joker sees him as the darling. Yeah. Two Faces has that, vendetta against him. Riddler hates him for that, being that equal intellect, even though he, by all accounts, shouldn't be. Scarecrow sees him as the figure of fear that he wants to be. Himself. Wants to be yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> he, uh, he's the twinkling, twinkling little bat in the Mad Hatter's prophecies. So, yeah, there's always some way... For the Batman to impose himself into the narratives of their of his bad guys, mm-hmm. but this is just another one of those ways, and I think that's why it's so unique because it comes from a place of like brotherly respect first. Even though in the myth there's a lot of uh, tension between Zeus and Hades, but then again that sort of builds up into their natural tension in the episode and their rivalry as you,
0: as characters. Exactly, I mean it does follow the story of the ancient Greek myths where. At first, they're brothers and equals, then Hades is banished, uh, much like Lucifer was banished after the fall. But the way that Maxi welcomes him as a brother at first, but then sees him as an invader trying to take back Olympus. I just think that whole mythological touch, it adds to Batman's own mythology.
1: It makes him seem much more grand and much more dangerous, but um, that's a way for Maxi to sort of Mm rationalise it and... Mm -hmm that big elemental sort of figure in the night somewhere from the dark and the unknown is a natural fit for him to be um, either Hades or Tartarus or some dark figure from Greek myth. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Again, we have to talk now about the actual talent behind the voices because we already said that Max's performance is wonderful and that's no surprise because again, we are the masters of researching uh, the people who play these roles and Zeus was played by Steve Suskind, who I recognise the name immediately, and boy boy, I really should have. What hasn't this man been in? from Star Trek V to Seinfeld to Frasier to Married with Children to The Emperor's New Groove, where he plays the crazy chef in the restaurant. Oh, no way. And to Monsters, Inc., where he plays Jerry, Jerry Slugworth, um, the the big slug guy who's uh, always trying to break the record, but he's actually just too nice to be a oh, real wow. monster. Um, this is a character actor par excellent and no wonder he added so many nuances and subtlety to maxi zeus
1: he you get the full range of the character which is exactly what you need you get the grandiose uh laurence olivier clash of the titans these thousand uh i am i am the god i am the holy one you should all fear me mortals and that like uh hellfire and brimstone but then you also get that moment of beautiful vulnerability and the wonderment because it takes a certain kind of mind to see Wonder in the place where he ended up. Yeah. A wonderful choice of like character driven and realism. They they they're so good at their casting in this oh, show, amazing. honestly. And
0: again, the uh, girlfriend, the uh, poor old uh, Cleo Drucas is played by Bess Armstrong. Again, what hasn't she been in? Four seasons, Jaws 3D, Frasier, Boston Legal, regular roles on Mad Men and Grey's Anatomy, another huge star of stage and screen at TV and movies. So it's just brilliant. But the one that got me was the guy who played Stavros, the guy at the beginning who was basically barely in two scenes. Also, he's uncredited, played Alex, the goon, in right. the episode. So the strong Greek accents, and that makes so much sense when you realise he was played by Nicholas Savalas, who, A, is of Greek descent, born in the UK, very well-known voice And TV actor. Everything from this series to Superman Adventures and basically every DC animated show or movie ever made in the last 20, 30 years. He's had a role in some of it. But he's also the son of legend Telly Savalas, who's the original Kojak... And Blofeld in um, James Bond of the 60s and 70s. So one of the greatest and, uh, you know, a legendary name. Anyone from my era will know and love Telly Savalas. Yes, Telly Savalas, legend. And Nicholas Savalas, a legend in voice acting. So even the bit parts get given to great actors in this series.
1: Well, that's because I think they're trying to tell rounded and meaningful stories. So even what may seem like a bit part to most viewers isn't treated like a bit part by the creators. They indeed. want these characters to have depth and realism and motivation, and only like tenured real actors could be there to give that kind of clout and clarity. So it's good they've been able to make that extra touch, and it's paid off, as you can tell.
0: Really has paid off.
1: Uh, I I thought this episode was
0: great fun. Really enjoyed it.
1: Nothing really to complain about. Nothing really to complain about. Indeed, we got a strong character portrait of a somewhat sadly forgettable, yeah. but still like unique villain Batman's Rose gallery uh at their best I would say in a great portrayal that I hope we may see again potentially
0: I don't know because I'm we're rapidly approaching near the end of what originally aired in the UK when I was viewing so pretty soon it's going to be stuff I have never seen before um for the very first time watching it and even some of the more recent episodes in this first season I'm I've honestly think i've seen for the first time re-watching so i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it i have seen this one before liked it before knowing max Zeus a little bit better now through the comics loving it now thoroughly enjoyed this one which again brings us to our regular spot in the week moments that stood out good bad or ugly for you
1: from fire from olympus i really loved the strong noir but strong high swashbuckle they were able to get just in the colour scheme of the characters because we got the strong dark heavy elements from Batman and the beautiful visuals of some of the entrances and disappearances into just the bright rushing blues and strong Greek motifs that we got in Zeus. They've characterised their main lead and main villain so well that you can really relate to things just from the beginning even though someone like much more dashing and brightly coloured as being the antagonist is just the great um, opposite that you'd expect from Batman. It's that whole thing
0: with Batman, isn't it? He's the darkness, the shadows and the fear, and he's the good guy. And the villains tend to be the colour, the brightness and the lunacy that oppose him. He is order and his villains are chaos.
1: Yep, whereas you used to expect most of them to be... Most heroes would be sort of centred towards peace. Yeah. whereas he's more centered towards order, which is just sort of adds to his like stern expression and his overall groveliness, but that's sort of Batman's charm, I would say. I mean, that's what I love about Batman. He is like the complete opposite of every other hero. Every movie in the world,
0: especially growing up, every TV show, the villain, you know it's the villain because he's in black, the hero's all in white and bright colours, and this is the complete opposite, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's the same takeaway I got. Oh, yeah? He's the dark Batman against the bright, colourful... Hilarious, tragic, crazy
1: villain—truly unforgettable—and uh, handled perfectly. You you really want this in the first appearance of a villain, and they've been able to handle this first as as well as the others with great care and attention. Wonderful stuff. And don't you just love the way it's not just oh yes, we see Joker every few
0: episodes, but it's not it's just your Jokers, your Two Faces, your Poison Ivy's, your Riddlers that we see in the show. The fact that they've brought a character like Maxi Zeus and put him on screen. It's great.
1: Yep. They know Batman so well and uh, know all of the four figures and forces he's fought against because I'm I'm, I'm unfamiliar with Max's first appearance. I feel like he's very 60s. Yes,
0: exactly.
1: So they know the character's history so well that they could justify pulling out anyone. But with the care and attention that they put into every episode, they'll do each character justice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we love the show. We do. So... That was Fire from Olympus, episode 63. We're nearly at the very end of the huge first season of Batman, the animated series. So, until we come back next week, Adam, my little Greek god, Hmm. where can
1: the Olympus-dwelling denizens find you? I dwell across many places along the mortal and godly realms, uh, writing things about... Batman and DC Comics, you can find me reviewing multiple titles a month on Dark Knight News. For my one true love, the thing that calls me forth, uh PC and Tabletop <laughs> Gaming, you can find me talking about some titles here and there on our baby, our true love, fantasticuniverses.com. S- but more importantly, I write supplements and tools for your Dungeons and Dragons games on the, the Apotheosis Studios blog, and I am a reviewer for many titles of PC gaming on .gg. Follow me on Twitter at isitinkerer. Engage me in whatever questions you have about card gaming and things that go bump in the night. Absolutely.
0: As for myself, you can hear my voice. <sighs> Where can't you hear my voice these days? I'm guessing on Podcasts left right and center but I'm regularly on this wonderful show with my partner in crime Adam. I am the night also on the DC Comics News Network on the main DC Comics News podcast most weeks every now and then on Harley Quinn the uh, Mad Love podcast reviewing episodes of that crazy show and of course on the Comics in Motion feed with Superheroes for Dummy where you tell us who you want us to talk about and you send us the questions you want answered for my written work just google Steve J Ray all Fantastic Universes, to read my news reviews and interviews across four wonderful websites, now including CBR, DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and of course, Our Baby, Our Child, Fantastic Universes. But talk to me, please do, on Twitter at lstevoel_steevo E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. But until you do, here's Adam Ray, here's the night. Together, we are the
1: night, and this has been the I Am the Night podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics and watch more Batman.